1: Seven Lamb Presents Paralyzed Chapter 9 Dollface Part 3
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The clock on the wall read 9.30. We had tried the TV a few hours ago, but all that came through was static. No one had slept last night. Who could blame them? Julia and I sat by the blocked fireplace.
2: The rain has stopped.
3: David, uh, do those creatures only come out when it rains? No. Then who the fuck cares if the rain stopped?
2: You don't have to be an asshole.
3: It soothes me. Will you guys shut up? I'm thinking. I can hear the gears grinding.
1: All the roads are going to be flooded. For a while.
3: No shit. Also, take a look outside. so still pretty cloudy. Could rain any minute. Forget the rain. I'm trying to figure out a way to get us out of this damn bowl. Deerfield River is overflowing. It's going to be impossible to go. I tried south, no good there either. We're stuck here until the storm passes. Water has to die down. We could check the weather. No, wait, we can't, because we're stuck in the goddamn twilight zone. Static on every fucking channel. There still may be a way if we stick to the farmland. Why don't you take a little stroll, come back and tell us how it is? We stick to the gravel roads. The gravel roads are flooded south of here. I'm telling you, Steve, I saw it. Those two saps from the diner, their truck was caught in it. Now they're dead. You don't know that. I'm no Sherlock fucking Holmes, but the truck was half submerged, stalled, and they were nowhere to be seen. Probably hacked into a hundred little fucking pieces. I'm going to get a drink.
1: Julia got up and made her way to the kitchen.
3: Didn't mean to scare you, Honey. still think we could stick to the gravel roads with what car i'm definitely not walking out there she shot him steve what the cop shot the dude with the axe he stood still hacked down to bits not to mention those creatures are fast i'm not carl fucking lewis you saw that one grabbed beth shut up i'm not leaving this house until that storm passes and we have a ride we're not safe here safer than out there
1: I got up and headed for the kitchen. What about you? I stopped. What about me?
3: What do you think we should
1: do? Just because I've been through this before doesn't mean I have answers.
3: The guy who lives to tell the tale has to have some insight.
1: I think for now, we're safe. As safe as we can be. As for what to do, (laughs) I I have no idea. I went into the kitchen to see Julia pouring tea from a pitcher. You want some? No, thank you.
2: It's good. Mom ate it. I'm okay. Didn't mean to leave you in there with those two. Just couldn't handle Charlie saying, you know. (laughs) I understand. I heard you say we're safe. Do you believe that?
1: For the most part.
2: But for how long?
1: That's the thing. I I don't know.
2: You were stuck at that campground for a week? About. And you got out? Yeah. So if we just wait for the storm to pass...
1: It still won't be easy, but we have food and water. We have weapons. We have a secure place. We don't have to worry about flooding. We just wait. Right.
2: What if those creatures show up?
1: Those creatures can be hurt They can be killed They know that That's why we're safe in here
2: And that guy, trust?
1: Julia, we're safe in here Around noon, I went into the dining room to check on Roland, who continued to sift through Trust's police report. She was rubbing her head as I entered. You okay?
4: Got a pretty bad headache.
1: Maybe because of that. I motioned to the two half-empty bottles of liquor on the table.
4: That's the only thing helping me through this.
1: Maybe you should take a break.
4: Not now. I can't. I have some very interesting things to share with you.
1: About trust?
4: Yeah. The file Joel gave me. I finished going through it. Come take a look at this.
1: I walked over to the table and leaned over Roland. She reeked of booze and sweat.
4: There's a statement in here from Haley Anderson. is twelve. She was one of Victoria's closest friends. Victoria? Sefton's daughter. Oh. Apparently, a few months before the murder, Victoria tells her friend Haley that her dad was acting weird. He was working on a new book and, get this, he was walking around the house wearing a doll mask and carrying an axe. Her words. Nothing ever happened and he told Victoria that he did it to get into character.
1: The character of a serial killer.
4: Exactly. Pretty messed up when you think about what happened a few months later.
1: The wiki page.
4: I'm getting to that. It says that he was working on a sequel to Dollface, his most popular work. So the fact that he was walking around in costume doesn't mean anything was premeditated.
1: And he never finished the book?
4: No. They found half a manuscript, which tells me that he was just getting into character. It's totally reasonable.
1: Is there anything else?
4: Well, Haley says that Victoria stopped mentioning the weird acting sessions about a month before the murder. Victoria never brought it up again.
1: So he stopped doing it?
4: It would reason. The last timestamp on his word doc was roughly a month before the murder as well. He stopped writing. Jesus. It has to be when he started losing it, his mind.
1: I know what you meant.
4: He stopped writing.
1: But is there any correlation to Patricia Sanders?
4: In what aspect?
1: Every aspect.
4: There's similarities, I told you that. But the murders carried out by Sanders and Trust were still different. It wasn't a beat-by-beat replay.
1: Do You think they experienced this? What? This. What we're going through.
4: A living nightmare? Yeah. I don't know. And there's really no way to find out.
1: What if him losing it was him in a place like this?
4: In hell, as you so eloquently put it. Yeah. It's possible.
1: I walked around the table. Just think, if he were able to finish that book, it probably would have been a bestseller.
4: Several of his books probably would have become bestsellers if news broke about the murders. Looks like there was some police misconduct when it came to releasing information. What do you mean? It looks like the Leyden Falls Police Department was trying to bury this. Why? Small town. Probably didn't want the publicity.
1: Negative publicity. Right. Well, how do you think they're going to handle everything that's happening here? All this.
4: I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about us.
1: Roland grabbed a bottle and took a swig. Are you okay?
4: I'm fine, for now. But you were right, David. Out there, that's Sefton Trust. Justice Sanders is walking around in the woods. So is trust.
1: She took another swig. I turned my attention to Julia, who was standing in the doorway.
2: Sorry to interrupt, but... I think I should tell you that Charlie and Steve have been talking. About? About you two.
1: What about us?
2: I don't know. I couldn't make it out. But if I were you two, I would be careful. They may try something.
4: I wouldn't put it past them. David, if you get tired, you let me know. And I'll do the same. One of us should always be awake. They may go for our guns.
1: Great. So now our worries extended from Sefton Trust and creatures to people in the house. I'm not going to be sleeping anytime soon.
4: <sighs> well, just watch your back. You too, Julia, just in case.
1: Julia and I nodded.
4: Now, anyone care to join me?
1: Julie and I sat on the kitchen counter eating chips and crackers with cheese. It was now almost eight. It was raining again.
2: Is she going to be okay?
1: Roland? Why do you ask?
2: She's on her third bottle.
1: I leaned over to peer into the dining room. Roland had popped another pill. I don't know what's going on with her.
2: Well, she's not the only one drinking.
1: Julia motioned to the living room where Steve and Charlie had been the whole day, discussing plans of action and drinking themselves into a stupor. It was now night again and nothing was resolved. I don't think Roland would ever find something in one of those files or one of those books that would be useful in getting us out of this predicament. And I didn't think Steve and Charlie would devise a good enough plan to free us either. My heart sank as I thought about the hopelessness of being in this farmhouse while creatures stalked the near forest.
2: You know, I've never drank. Alcohol? Nope. Not once.
1: That's surprising. Is it rude to ask how old you are?
2: Yes, but I'll answer anyway. I'm 28.
1: And you never had a drink?
2: Alcohol has never touched my lips.
1: Not even champagne on New Year's? Nope. Can I ask why?
2: Yeah, it never appealed to me. Don't take this the wrong way. But I always saw it as a weakness.
1: Does it have to do with your parents? Because they have quite the liquor cabinet.
2: But they're not heavy drinkers. Never were. They have all that booze because they like entertaining guests.
1: But they do drink?
2: They do. But because I always saw it as a weakness, I didn't. It wasn't because of my parents. They didn't drink because they were weak. And I'm not saying everyone does, but I've had friends and some family that have used it as a crutch, you know? I know what you mean. I take it you drink?
1: Not as often as I should.
2: I read somewhere that 1 in 12 adults suffer from alcohol abuse.
1: Roland may be one of them.
2: I understand it helps people get through rough situations.
1: Like this one.
2: Exactly. Why wouldn't she drink? Why wouldn't Charlie and Steve drink? Look where we are.
1: People have their vices. People have their coping mechanisms.
2: I know that. That's why Charlie makes jokes. I know he's scared, like the rest of us. Of course. Everyone has something. What about you? Me? I don't know if I necessarily have a vice, but...
1: You don't have a weakness?
2: I think I'm too nice. I've been taken advantage of a lot, at work and in my social life. I let people walk all over me and never say anything. I'm not confrontational. I don't stand up for myself. I think that's my weakness.
1: But how do you cope with this?
2: I just don't think about it. I block it from my mind. I remain hopeful that this will end soon and I'll see my parents in a few days.
1: Optimism can be misleading.
2: It's not optimism. It's hope.
1: Hope can be even more misleading.
2: It's still something to hold on to.
1: I wish I had that mentality.
2: How do you cope?
1: I pulled up my sleeves and showed my bandaged wrists. I don't. We sat in awkward silence a few moments when Charlie came stumbling in.
3: Hey, hey. You guys hear that?
2: Hear what? It's
3: come from upstairs. What is? That noise.
2: I don't hear anything.
3: Come here. Come here.
1: Julia shot me a concerned look. We hopped off the counter and made our way into the living room. You guys don't hear that? No. Shh. Listen. Listen. They both reeked of booze. Julia and I stood at the bottom of the staircase and listened. Shit.
2: is that the same music from the diner
1: it's a music box
3: but where's it coming from
2: maybe my parents room
3: they have a music box
2: they have a radio alarm clock last time it was coming out of the radio right
1: it's getting louder steve started walking upstairs hey what are you doing i want to see where it's coming from
2: we're not supposed to go upstairs
1: Stop me. He kept going. Oh, man, what creepy, sinister shit is going on now? Julia, can you get Roland?
2: Wait! Don't go up there!
1: I pulled the gun from my waistband. I never gave it back to Roland from the last time I was upstairs. I quickly followed Steve. David! Get Roland. I jogged up to Steve. Hey, be careful. I'm being careful. Steve held up his baseball bat, ready to strike. It's coming from the last room. That's her parents' room. We headed down the hallway slowly. We reached the last door and Steve pushed his way in. There was no one inside, but Julia was right. The music was coming from the alarm clock. Jesus, that's loud. Steve tried turning it off, but it wouldn't stop. I'm hitting the off switch. Nothing. Forget it. Let's go back downstairs. Why does it do that? I don't know. Fuck this. Steve ripped the cord from the socket. The red glowing numbers telling the time disappeared, but the music still played. What the hell? That's when I noticed something outside. I went over to the window and peered out into darkness. Holy shit. What? Look. Outside was Trust. In his doll mask. Carrying his axe. He headed for the barn. It was just now that I noticed the music had stopped. What's he doing? I know what he's doing. What? Truss went around the side of the barn, out of sight. Tell me, what's he doing? Then a moment later, the lights went out, and we were shrouded in darkness. He cut the power. Son of a bitch. It was hard to see anything. Steve and I just stood by the window, still peering out. I don't know how much time passed, but I couldn't move. I kept staring out at the dark barn. Then I finally saw him, faintly walking by the wheat field, carrying his axe. He's coming this way. Steve was right. Sefton Truss was heading for the house. As he approached, his shiny white mask was fixated on us, the black eye hole staring at our window. I knew he saw us, and now he was coming to get us. Robert M. Lamb Starring Robert M. Lamb as David Amy LeRae as Roland Kaylin Boyd as Julia Jack Austin as Joel and Charlie Ashley York as Esther Ashley Carasano as Beth Brian Messick as Steve and Brett Wilkins as Alan Co-starring Adam Jetmore Ryan Wiggs ariel zadok and ryan grossjean music provided by elders Chichala of nemesis black at reverbnation.com slash kevin mcleod of incompetech.com and dylan mixer at dmixmusic.com if you enjoy paralyzed don't forget to rate and review on itunes